The following program is intended to provide general information only, and its host, Tim Decker, recommends that you always seek competent professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about... This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning and welcome wherever you are in your automobile, at home, uh, states away, listening online, or uh, even in another country where I know we have uh, clients outside of the U.S. So anyway, thank you for making us part of your Saturday morning here on WHP 580. My name is Tim Decker, and the name of the program is Financial Freedom, where we talk about any and all things financial. If you have a question about anything pertaining to your investments, insurance questions, uh, basic estate planning questions, anything, if it's important to you, it's important to me. Maybe you want to ask uh, some things pertaining to an IRA that you have, an investment account that you have. Maybe you're considering investing in some uh, certain types of investments that you would just like to get my thoughts on. Perhaps you're considering making some changes. Maybe you're worried about what's going on in the markets. Have a question about your financial plan. Uh, mutual funds, investing in stocks, investing in individual bonds, municipal bonds. Again, wider range of anything that you would like to inquire of. I'll do my very best to provide you with straightforward, unbiased information. And if I do not have the answer, I will let you know. And I will definitely make sure that uh, I follow up and get you uh, whatever assistance and guidance I can. If you want to reach me, you can reach me here in two ways. You can call me and you and I can speak. Just have some a friendly dialogue right here over the radio by calling me at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll free. It's 800-724-5801. Again, that's 800-724-5801. Well, Volatility is back. It's about time, isn't it? And if you remember, if you were uh, listening to uh, the program here a couple weeks ago, I provided you with a good definition of volatility. And just to uh, refresh you on what that is, volatility is the variance, the random variance, above and below the long-term upward trend line of global markets. Volatility within the context of financial markets can best be defined as the unexpected random variance, 
versus being able to be predicted. Random is, by its very definition, unpredictable. But the random unexpected variance, both below as well as above the long-term upward trend line. And it's very interesting how people don't mind a volatility when that variance is above that trend line. But for some reason, many of you and many people out there become concerned when that is below the trend line. Again, if you have a sound financial plan, that plan should have incorporated into it and should have accounted for those unexpected random variances. So as I will continue to encourage you, continue to remind you over and over again, as I have over the years in the past and I will continue to do in the future, if you don't have a financial plan or if you don't have one that has been updated fairly recently that has accounted for the unexpected random declines in the markets, then I urge you to do so. Because if you want to know the one thing, the one thing that I've seen in my 30 plus years in the financial services industry, the one thing that helps people not only be, be not caught off guard when we have these temporary, inevitable, I call them normal market declines. What helps people get through that is preparation. But if you're not prepared in advance, I can tell you, you don't have confidence that your plan has incorporated and built into it the shock absorbers. You're not confident that you have enough monies set aside for the next 7, 10, 15 years in things such as short-term or intermediate-term government bonds. Again, if you've not gone through all that, if you have not experienced in your planning process what I like to call financial fire drills, I would highly suggest that you do so. And the best way to do that is if you currently have and are working with a fee-only advisor, just simply ask them, and say, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to sit down and see, based upon the financial plan that we've put together, what type of an impact the next 35% decline in global markets is going to have on my personal financial plan. I want some assurance. I need to see what that would mean in dollars and cents relative to my personal goals. Personal goals such as being able to sleep well at night knowing that you will not outlive your income, being able to increase your income in the years ahead just to break even, to keep up with inflation, to be able to have what you need and want for any charitable gifts. Whatever your goals are, that should be reflected in your plan but it's a good exercise, and it is a very important exercise to look at where you're at and see so that you have confidence when we have, not if, when we have the next major 
market decline. I'm not talking about a 10% decline. I'm talking about the good old-fashioned bear markets that historically, since World War II, the end of World War II in 1945, that we've experienced on average about once every five years or so, with the average bear market being somewhere around 35% or so. Do you know how that will impact your portfolio? Do you know what investments you have in your portfolio that you should expect to go through a decline? But equally as important, if not more important, do you know and are you confident that you have enough in safe, predictable, stable type of investments such as my favorite being short-term and intermediate-term government bonds, which, as we saw in 2007, at the end of 2007, October 9th, when the markets began their decline all the way through 2008, and they finally bottomed out in March of 2009, that peak to trough over that year-long time period of about a 57% decline in the S&P 500 index, it was during those times that short-term and intermediate-term government bonds were our clients' best friends, and I hope they were your best friends, because what we saw is during times like that, in 2008, they had positive returns. That's right, positive returns. They went up anywhere between 5 and 11%. And I can tell you for a fact, it's making sure that you have enough of those types of investments that allows you the peace of mind and the confidence that you don't have to worry, that you can sleep well at night when the next market decline comes. And I can promise you it will happen. And if you're not prepared and you haven't gone through these fire drills in your financial plan, you can be caught off guard because you've heard me say many times, surprise is the mother of all panics. Don't be surprised. Okay, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, take any calls, take any emails. Again, you can reach me here at 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580 or toll free. It's 800 800- 724-5801. I'm Tim Decker, and this is the program where we do our very best to look out for your best interest, not the interest of Wall Street. We'll be right back. Freedom! Simple, straightforward advice and answers. Financial information you can trust. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. All right, welcome back. And lest I fail to forget, thank you very much for making us part of your Saturday morning. I appreciate it, and I will do my very best to make our time spent here worthwhile and giving you some practical Guidance to uh, help you with your overall financial security. Okay, let's go to the phones. Uh, I believe we have Paul from Anvil. Good morning, Paul. How are you, sir? Good. How are you today, Tim? I'm good. How can I help you? Good. Uh, 
thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, I have four children, and one's going to buy a house. I want to help her with a sizable down payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is regarding inheritance tax. I did a little mm-hmm. bit of homework, and I can give uh, up to $14,000, and after that, then you pay taxes on anything above that. Am I correct? No. Oh. And the good news is you're not correct. The 14000 uh, and I believe I believe I'll check during the break here, but I believe it bumped up to fifteen thousand this year. But e- either way, what that has to do with is that has nothing to do with inheritance tax. What that uh, is, or a gift Paul. Tax. Maybe yes, gift tax, gift tax. But here's how it works. Okay, right now with the new tax laws, you have over a little over eleven million dollars per individual that you can pass on to heirs without there being any federal estate tax, E-S-T-A-T-E, any federal estate tax. So, in other words, if you have an estate that is under $11 million, you don't really have to worry about any federal estate taxes. And what happens, okay, what happens is, let's say that number that you're looking at giving to the kids is uh, 20000 as an example. And if the limit is fourteen or 15000 then you are exceeding that, obviously, by five or 6000 If that's the case, then when you file your taxes this year, for 2018, obviously, you'll need to file a gift tax return with your regular 1040 return and all that does is that extra money that you gave over and above that 14 or 15 thousand which like I said is roughly five or six thousand that is simply deducted from that 11.2 million dollars that is free to be passed on federal estate tax free so Does that make sense? The the federal, but the state tax is 4.5, and I was told you can give up to 14, or maybe it's 15. No, that's inheritance tax. What you're talking about now is inheritance tax. Oh, okay. Okay, inheritance tax comes into play when you pass on whoever inherits any of your assets. In Pennsylvania, there's a mandatory inheritance tax and typically it's around four and a half percent any monies any monies that are passed linear down to your kids or grandkids if it's passed laterally to say your brothers and sisters I believe it's around 12 percent and if you happen to pass it on to me that's a joke (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, I would pay 15% inheritance tax. So it's basically four and a half for kids or grandkids, but it has nothing to do with, as far as I understand, and I can't give you legal tax advice, but that the $15,000 number that you're talking about, that has to do with the maximum that you can give in the way of a gift right now while you're alive without having to file that gift tax that would that would reduce from that 11.2 million anything that you gave over and above the 14 or 15. Well, yeah, to the federal, but the state, don't you have to pay a gift tax if you're still alive and you give more than $15,000? Well, but that, that would all be, yeah, 
my understanding is that that is just that just needs to be reported on that gift tax form that you need to file. I do not wow. believe that you have to pay any gift tax right now for anything. You can give gifts to anyone you want for any amount you want. It's just if it exceeds that fourteen or fifteen thousand, then that prompts you needing to file that extra form because then that needs to be subtracted from your exemption. Oh, so I'm okay in the state. I knew I was okay in the federal. Yeah. But, but I thought on the, on the state you had to pay anything over 15000 You know, I do not believe that's that's is the case. But as always, I can't give legal tax advice. Oh. Double check, Double check with your tax advisor. But the good news is um, I don't, unless your state's, you know, and if, are you married? No, sir. Okay. Cause if you were then between you and your spouse, you could have up to 22 and a half million dollars before you even have any well, state. Yeah, I'm not in that issues. category. <laughs> okay. Okay. But, okay, um, yeah, I, I hope that helps you about the state state tax. I knew I was okay in the federal, but I thought I'd yeah. have to pay four and a half, anything over 15,000. Right. And just as always, Double check with your tax advisor, and I yield to your CPA. But um, I was just trying to help draw the line there between the federal that fourteen and fifteen thousand. Um, you know, that's that's strictly for the purpose of being reduced from that exemption, and then uh, the inheritance tax. That's something uh, uh, separate, obviously. But I wish you the best, and uh, uh, thank you for the call. And uh, check with your Counting. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. You bet. Have a great day. Okay. Um, let me just share something uh, with all of you that I regularly come across in my experiences that I think may be helpful and applicable to many of you. It's not unusual that we will have a couple come into our office, and this happens many, many times, and this may actually be you. We have a couple that comes into our office that maybe have been working at a company, whether it be Hershey or uh, wherever, uh, have been working there for many years, and while you're working, you have developed and have enjoyed the hobby of handling your own investments because often many people have uh, the lion's share in their working years in their 401k, their retirement plans, etc. And sometimes it is the wife that handles the finances and is more actively involved. Sometimes it is the man, but I have found that it's rare, although it does happen, that both spouses are equally as interested and involved in working with the finances, specifically in the area of investing, looking at your 401k options, choosing which options uh, you're going to be invested in, handling investments on your own. Many uh, that we meet with have been doing things on their own. Often it's directly with Vanguard, which I will tell you, and if you've been listeners of this show, you know I'm a huge fan of Vanguard's investment vehicles. Their low-cost index funds 
However, I will tell you, uh, especially in recent years, as Vanguard has turned into a huge giant, uh, we hear firsthand from people all the time that they are having some very significant service issues. So when I say that we're fans of Vanguard, I just want to make sure that it's clear we're fans of their investment vehicles, but we are not... <laughs> We are not recommending or we are not big fans recently of the firsthand experiences that we have heard of and that we've actually been involved with in trying to help people get things squared away. But where I'm going with this is many of you have actually over the years been handling things on your own. And often, as I said, you know, many have been doing things directly uh, with Vanguard or Fidelity, or you've opened up a brokerage account with Schwab or TD Ameritrade, wherever. But the point is, is you've been doing this on your own. And again, most often, one of the spouses is more involved than the other. What we see, and something that I really would encourage you to think about, is we have people that will come in and one of the biggest reasons that they come in to meet with us or they go and they meet with another financial advisor, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience here, is they become concerned and they should be concerned just as I am as it relates to my wife. If something happened to me, she has not been actively involved in the world of Investing, Obviously, that's what I eat, sleep, and drink. And so she's just, you know, and I have from time to time sat down with her and shared with her some of the basics of things that that I really think she needs to know. But bottom line is, if the good Lord took me home tomorrow, I've had to make sure that I have things in place and that I, for her, have a team of trusted advisors. And that happens a lot where people realize that if something happens to the spouse or when something happens, let's don't say if, when, because something's going to happen to all of us. It's just a matter of when. When something happens to the spouse that has been more actively involved and if it's the surviving spouse who was not actively involved, I can tell you that that can be a very daunting and very traumatic experience, as well as that surviving spouse being extremely vulnerable. And as you've heard me mention many times, because we know that approximately less than 10% of all advisors who call themselves financial advisors, less than 10%, it's estimated, are truly 100% fee-only advisors, then that means that there's approximately 90% or so out there that are not, that your surviving spouse could end up working with, and we all know what kind of experiences that can lead to. Most often, it's not good because they're, they end up working with really what is a financial sales person rather than a 100% fee only fiduciary. So the point that I'm really trying to drive home is even if you 
have enjoyed doing things on your own and it's become a hobby, I, I would recommend, I strongly would recommend, and the peace of mind that you would garnish and your spouse would garnish, and I, I've witnessed this firsthand many times, it means the world in terms of security to your spouse that you have thought ahead and that you have said to your spouse, you know what, let's develop a relationship with a fee-only fiduciary Let's interview two or three, find somebody, and I don't care who it is. This is not about us. It's just me encouraging you, develop a relationship with a fee-only advisor while you're both alive, while you're both mentally sharp. And I can tell you, you can work together with that fee-only financial advisor and begin that relationship now and have the security and peace of mind knowing that if the good Lord took you home tomorrow, your spouse, you feel good knowing that you've got something in place, and your spouse is going to feel so good that you have a team. And really what you need is you need a team. You need to work with a fee-only financial advisor that can bring to the table a team of good attorney or attorneys, CPAs, and I can tell you the sense of fulfillment and peace of mind and security when you know that you have a team in place of your financial advisor who is the quarterback, but you know that they have an attorney, an estate planning attorney, or any other type of, t of attorney that you may need, as well as competent tax advisors, having that team in place and working with them, I can promise you the peace of mind that you will garnish from that will come back to you multiple times over relative to the nominal fee that you will pay. So think about that. I urge you to really take that to heart because I've seen this firsthand many, many times and the sense of relief that people have when they finally get these things in orders second to none. Okay. Let's go to the news. When we come back, we'll pick right back up. You can reach me, 717-540-0580, toll-free, 800-724-5801, or you can email me here live at ffradio, see, ffradio at comcast.net. That's ff, as in financial freedom, ffradio at comcast.net. We'll be right back. If you have a question about your finances or your financial future, give us a call right now at 540-0580. Providing you with the information and answers to gain your financial independence. This is Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Once again, here's Tim Decker. All right, welcome back. Again, uh, you can give me a call with any questions that you might have, or you can shoot me a quick email here live. It's uh, ffradio at comcast.net. That's ffradio at comcast.net. I just want to follow up to, uh, I just got some clarification. I looked it up um, during the break here <clears throat> relating to the discussion that I had br briefly with the gentleman uh, earlier pertaining to gift taxes and limits and all that. Um I was correct when I said it has changed. It was 14000 was the annual gift exclusion amount uh, since 2013. It has been at 14000 that you can give per person. That has been changed 
uh, as I had thought, but I just wanted to double check. Up from 14,000, it's now 15,000. Um, and in case there was some confusion as it pertains to the $11.2 million uh, exemption for uh, uh, federal estate or gift tax, I think I accidentally, and I don't know how, I said it was 11.2 million per person. That is wrong. It's 11.2 million as a couple. It's actually 5.6 million per person that is exempt from federal estate or gift tax. It's 5.6 million per person or double that and that's uh, a little, about 11.2 million. So anything that you give to anyone over the amount of 15000 you simply need to file a gift tax return with your uh, normal tax return, and that then is reduced from that amount of that $5.6 million per person that will then be free from um, federal estate and gift tax. So I hope that uh, clarifies, but I just wanted to confirm that 15000 number that I was pretty confident was accurate that indeed for 2018 that's changed from 14,000 up to 15,000 which means if you're married as a couple and you want to give some money to your kids to reduce you know if you have a a very very large estate in this case you know if you're around 11 million dollars as a couple and you want to keep that under that to to help avoid that uh, state and gift tax issue um one of the best ways is to make gifts to your kids. And uh, uh, as a couple, you could each give up to 15000 to any of your kids. So combined, as a couple, you could give 30000 to each child. So I hope that helps. Okay. Um, I was reading some things um this morning and I found it quite interesting you may recall earlier on uh, well not early on in the year I believe it was actually last year 2017 but anyway on prior programs I had shared with you a study that um, had been done that had come out with what I thought was some of the most um, amazing amazing uh, pieces of information by a professor whose last name was Bessenbinder, Hendrik Bessenbinder, and I believe uh, he was from Arizona State. Anyway, if you remember, the whole study went back from 1926 up through 2015, and... Um, Hendrik Bessenbinder's research, when he looked at all publicly traded stocks, going all the way back to 1926 up through 2015, just to review what the key findings were, because this is so applicable and so important, and there's some practical things that you need to, to, to draw as a result of this. He found that over... The entire lifetime from 1926 through 2015, 58% of stocks, more than half of stocks, underperformed one-month treasury bills. He also found that of the 25,782 stocks that existed during these nine decades, 
they, as an aggregate, combined to create some $32 trillion of value for their shareholders. But out of those 25,782 stocks, out of that 25,782 stocks, it was only the top 86 that accounted for half of that wealth. 86 of more than 25,000, only 86 accounted for half of that wealth. He also found... And this here, I think, is probably the one that you really need to listen to the most. Over the 90 years, from 1926 up through 2015, the U.S. stock market's entire gain over and above Treasury bills, which is roughly about 6, six to 7% on top of the uh, average of about 3% that Treasury bills return. But anyway, the the entire stock market's gain over those entire 90 years over and above the return on Treasury bills can be attributed to less than 4% of stocks. The other 95% collectively only matched the returns of treasury bills. Now, why why do I say that is so important? It's so important because what that means is simply asking yourself, do you feel lucky? Do you feel that you, if you try to pick individual stocks, or even worse yet, if you're paying a mutual fund manager, which most of you are, if you're in mutual funds, most individuals, unfortunately, are in expensive retail, actively managed funds where you have managers trying to pick stocks. Let me ask you, what's, what's the likelihood of you or whoever you're paying to pick individual stocks or, or your fund managers, what's the likelihood of being able to pick the top 4%? That's a 4 out of 100. 96% chance you won't. So with that being in mind, I was doing some reading this morning. And year-to-date this year, approximately half of the entire gains in the U.S. stock market as measured by the S&P 500 index, year-to-date 2018, approximately half of the returns of those 500 companies of that index, approximately half of those returns can be accounted for by only three companies, only three. Which means to beat the index, you would have had to pick those three, or if you would have missed those, you would have missed matching the overall returns. The three companies are Facebook, Amazon, and Netflix. The point that I'm trying to drive home is, are you one of the foolish people out there 
and I mean this in all due respect, are you one of the foolish people out there that still believe, in spite of all of the evidence, that you or somebody else can pick the winning horses on the racetrack when your odds of doing so are so strongly against you? My friend, if that's you, I suggest you take a step back, have an open mind, look at the truths, look at the evidence, and it can have a tremendous impact on how you invest going forward. And as I like to say in the world of investing, it's never too late to start doing the right thing. Okay, let's take our last break. When we come back, you have anything you'd like to ask of me, give me a call, 717-540-0580 or toll-free 800-724-5801 or shoot me a quick email, ffradio at comcast.net. We'll be right back. Financial Show Central PA Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Okay, before we go to Todd, um, who's been patiently holding, let me remind you, if you've not yet done so, by all means, take advantage of the free e-newsletter uh, that you can sign up for on our website. It's absolutely free. We don't need your name, phone number. We don't want any of that. All we need is your email address. If you go to isifinancialgroup.com, that's isifinancialgroup.com. Uh, we have loads of information there, articles, uh, uh, all kinds of educational materials, videos. Um, but on the home page, on the bottom right-hand corner, uh, there's a place for you to sign up for our free e-newsletter that will that will automatically get uh, in your email uh, throughout the month uh, different articles that I write, columns that I write for uh, different periodicals, Central Penn Business Journal, Susquehanna Style, uh, others. And uh, if you've not have if you haven't taken advantage of that yet, it's free. I make that available as my way to continue to. Educate you the ongoing uh, in the ongoing uh, future as the consumer. Okay, let's go to Todd from York. Todd, I appreciate your patience. How can I help you, sir? Uh, I'm about I'm 50 years old. Okay, I've got my house is paid for. Mm -hmm. I've got about two hundred thousand dollars in savings. Okay, by the end of this year, 2018, I should have three hundred. Mm -hmm. Uh. I got rid of all the credit cards. I have no 401k, and I'm trying to figure out how to invest my money. Here's how you do it. I'm going to tell you the right way, and I'm going to tell you the best way. And okay. if you want to follow up, I can give you some, some, some other thoughts. But hands down, the single best way, because your investments should always be subject to what your goals are, the single most important thing that I would recommend that you do, that I recommend that everyone does, is if you were going to build a house, you would not start building that house without first sitting down with an architect and putting together a blueprint. I would highly recommend 
that you seek out and find a 100% fee-only financial advisor who can sit down with you, look at your entire picture, listen very carefully to you, find out what specific goals you have. When do you think you want to retire? What type of an income do you anticipate you're going to uh, a need as well as want? Because you're going to have discretionary and non-discretionary dollar amounts that you're going to want. It's going to also have to account for doing a good social security analysis so that you can look at what's the best time to take your social security. But I would I would tell you, pay a few hundred dollars, sit down and get a goal-driven plan. And if you do it the right way, if you find a good fee-only advisor, and there's a handful of us out there, there's not a lot, there's a handful uh, in this area, um, start with the plan. And then that plan, Todd, will then serve as the guide and will help you understand how that money should be invested. What type of returns do you need to meet those goals, but also always, always in line with your personal tolerance for fluctuation and risk. And I will tell you, I can promise you, the few hundred dollars that you spend to get that done, and if if it's done right, it has to be done right, that will provide you multiple times over in peace of mind as well as helping you build a constructed por- portfolio, not only for that, but that should be invested in, in, in the context of all of the other savings and assets and investments that you have because everything needs to complement everything else. It should fit together as a puzzle. That is the single best way to do it. Now, with that having been said, if you don't take my advice on that, which I hope you do, if you don't, then the simple answer would be, as always, that money should be invested based upon the time frame and the objectives of what you want it for. If it's monies that you're gonna need, five years or less, that should never go in anything other than money markets, CDs, short-term government bonds. If it's five to ten years for any of that, that can be in a mix of some stocks, some bonds. I would recommend nothing but like low-cost index funds. And if it's ten years or more, obviously that can be more in stocks. But I would go and start and do it right. Find yourself a fee-only advisor. Make sure they are fee-only. Get something in writing that says that and let them help you. And then your portfolio is going to be the servant of your plan, which is the right way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend, everyone. We'll be with you next weekend. Take care.